Good morning, church. I hope everyone can hear me. Zoom, YouTube, wherever you are. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, who has allowed us to be here. First and foremost, I want to thank the Lord, the Lord Almighty, who is my source of life and your source of life, for enabling me to be here today and to be able to share the word of God. I cannot take it for granted. It is by his grace, in Jesus' name. So we are going to start. Our message today, I've given it a title, uh, uh, like how to survive the crisis of the 11th hour. As I was thinking about what to share with the church today, my mind kept on thinking about the many negative things that are happening in the world today, including the COVID-19. It seems like we are indeed living in the 11th hour, or the beginning of sorrow as we know it. The question we all have is how do we survive during this time? Everyone is wondering what next? Imagine if churches were not to open again, would we survive as Christians? Jesus prayed for his disciples and as believers of today and said, we are not of this world, even as he was not of this world. He said, be of good cheer, I will overcome the world, and I will be with you always. However, though we are not of this world, we live in this world, and hence we have to encounter all the problems that happens in this world. We may not have to experience everything, but some feel the pain, get sick, experience threats, some die, and others are affected directly or indirectly by what is happening around us. As I asked Christ in prayer on what I should teach on today, I was taken to the end part of, this, of his sermon on the mount, a teaching I've been pondering on for some time now, building on the rock and also to the parable of the sheep and the goats. I thank God for Sister Anne, uh, for sharing that message in the morning. Uh, we never shared anything, but she was really, we have connected because she has given an introduction to my message, the Sermon on the Mount. After his baptism, Jesus spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness fasting and praying. And during this time, <clears throat> many things happened to him. And when he came back to Nazareth, he continued with his, with his every ministry. He also appointed his disciples during this time. Due to the extraordinary miracles that he was performing, he started to attract a great crowd of people who wanted to hear from him and probably also witness the miracles and maybe to be healed also. It was during this time when he saw a big crowd following him that he sat on the mountain and started to teach the people, including the disciples. The Sermon on the Mount is said to be Jesus' longest sermon. It took several, several days. You can read the whole of the sermon, starting from Matthew 5 up to chapter, six, uh, chapter 7. Uh, but if you want to get it nicely, you can start from chapter 4. Uh, also, you can also read, uh, Luke also represents repeat some of his teaching, of this teaching of Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6. Jesus found it important to take time 
and teach people about the truth that will set them free. It must have occurred to him while he was, he was fasting that this, these are the things that make human beings to go through miseries and he wanted to help them overcome them. God is unconditional love, but we human beings prevent his love to be fully manifest when we allow these things to rule our thoughts and even our feelings. Uh, Jesus spent a lot of time encouraging and instructing his followers about important issues such as witnessing, obedience, prophecy, anger, lust, divorce, integrity, revenge, uh, loving our enemies, caring for the poor, prayer, fasting, money, criticizing and condemning others, forgiveness, servanthood, faith, persistence, judgment, etc. You can, all, you can read it all from chapter 5 uh, to chapter 7. It's all there. Uh, so he, he, he spent a lot of time doing that. <clears throat> and in summary, we can say that teaching includes the Beatitudes, what Anne read in the morning, the Lord's Prayer, which we all know, our Lord's Prayer, we all say it, and the principles or beliefs that inform our actions as followers of Jesus Christ. I think most of the time, the parts of the sermon we remember mainly are the Beatitudes, what Anne read in the morning, and the Lord's Prayer, which we say all the time, but Jesus taught much more than that. Towards the end of this famous sermon on the mountain, Jesus said the following words, which you can read from the book of Matthew 7, 27, chapter 7, 24 to 27, and also in Luke 6, 46 to 49. <clears throat> I'm going to read. Therefore, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the frost came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the frost came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Uh, these words Luke has repeated them. It's the same message, but he said differently, a little bit differently. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, do not, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I'll, like, I'll show you whom he is like. <clears throat> He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the France arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who had and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. The key message here is whoever hears my saying and does them. <clears throat> he likened that person to a wise man and the one who doesn't to a foolish man. Last week, Pastor Phil talked about five things we need to do with the word of God. And that is, we need to hear, 
We need to accept, we need to understand, we need to retain and persevere. I'm going to add on to that list and say number six, which is doing our daily application of the saying of Jesus Christ. According to this passage, it is the application of the teaching of Jesus that will give us strength to escape, to escape the trials of the 11th hour. When I was going through the teaching myself, I realized some of us do not really apply all of these teachings in our daily lives, maybe some and not all. I know it is difficult to see how this application of the saying will help us escape. But what, is this, what, what Jesus said is what he said. If you hear, do them. If you hear and do them, then you will not be moved but by what happens. I think the best thing or the best challenge is to do what he has taught us and then trust him that he shall sustain us. John 3.17 says, uh, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. It is very comforting to know Christ is there to help us and not to condemn us in our journey of faith. He is so much interested with us to, to be overcomers, and that is why he took time to teach us. And then he sent his Holy Spirit after he left so that he can continue with the work. Jesus our God is for us and not against us. However, though he loves us so much, we must let him accomplish his purpose in us by hearing his word and doing it. I noted in most of his promises that we sometimes we like to quote, there is always a condition. For example, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in my love, if you keep my commandments, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Though salvation is free, there is some work for each and every one of us to do. We must do according to what he tells us to do. Otherwise, uh, we will not uh, be able to survive during these difficult times. To, to survive the troubles of the 11th hour, which are represented by the rain, the France, and with the hurricanes, the trials, and the persecution, the diseases, the viruses, and all the negative things that happen to us. We must be doers of the teaching of Jesus Christ. Also, James says here, but be, James uh, 1, 22 to 25, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful here, but a doer of this, of, of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I've read about the Christians of old, and I'm sure you have also read how committed they were to their faith. These Christians were persecuted, and some of them were killed. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, they will not deny. They were ready to die for the cause of their faith. They knew this world was not their home, and they were looking for a better place. 
to be reunited with their savior. The fear, the fear, they, they feared not even death because they had built their house on the rock. What about us today? What have we built our house on? Can we survive persecutions, wars, trials, threats of death, and all that the world is about to bring forth? Can our faith carry us through? The answer probably is yes, if we hear and do what he taught us. He has promised to, to, to be with us, to comfort us, to guide us, to teach us. But the answer to this is we must be doers and not just hearers of his, teaching, of his teachings. For those who hear and do not apply the teachings in their lives, when trials, persecutions, temptation, difficulties comes their way, they will not be able to withstand the storms of life. Their houses will fall down and they will be swept by the storms. And since we cannot go over these wonderful teachings now, I would encourage you to read the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7, and also Luke, chapter 6, during your Bible reading. There's a lot there. However, I would like to pick one, uh, on one saying of Jesus, where he said, um, it, what, what, this saying is normally called the golden rule by a number of people. It was a summary of his teaching of the Sermon on the Mountain. And this is Matthew 7, 12. And, Luke, and also it's repeated in Luke 6, 31. So in everything, do to others what you'd have them to do to, do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Also, do to others as you'd have them do to you. In other words, what you expect others do unto you, do fast to them. If you abide by this rule, you be careful with what you are giving out because you, whatever you hand over will come back to you. And sometimes in multiplication, note it is what you give out with your mind, feelings, words, and actions. Uh, as we have said before, our mind, uh, our mind, our mind and feelings are very powerful, and. Also, I think mind and feelings can be very, you know, you can, um, they can misguide us because nobody knows what you're thinking about and nobody knows how you're feeling. And so because of that, your mind can go everywhere and you can judge people, condemn people, do, say all manner of things, hate people in your mind and from your heart because you know nobody knows. Nobody's giving you a check. So sometimes you concentrate on words and actions but you forget the most powerful tool, that is our mind and our feelings. So it's not just what you do with words or even with your actions, but it's what you do with your mind and your feelings. What do you send out? Well, how do you think about your brother? Do you send anger, do you send judgment, condemnation, and all that? But then Jesus said, what you do to others will be done unto you. So um, let this message challenge us that we, from today, we start sending those things that really we want to, to see them happening to us. If you abide by this rule, you forgive because by doing so, you'll be forgiven. You will not judge, condemn, or criticize because you don't want to be judged, condemned, or criticized. You bless because you want to be blessed. 
You will love your enemies and do good to those who do you wrong. You will love and you will be kind to others. You will give because you know it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Every action, whether good or evil, has its consequences. And just like a farmer does not get the harvest immediately, but wait for a long time before the harvest, sometimes the results of our action take so long to show up, but they will definitely come. So as I was thinking about this message, I also was taken to the story of the sheep and the goats. And this is in Matthew chapter 25, that one. Uh, it's, a, it's a long passage, but I'm going to make it short. I'll just read 25, that one to 34, and then 41. You can read the whole story by yourself later. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in glory, and all the angels with him, will he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from you, depart from me, you who are cast into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In these passages, the sheep and goats represent people because Jesus has said many times, my sheep hear my voice and all that. So we know when he talks about the sheep, you see falling to people. But as we have read, the two will be separated from each other. And one group will head to eternal life, while the other will head to eternal fire. Let's see the behavior of a sheep. Why are the two going to be separated? You know, God created both of them. Why is he going to separate the two? And why does he call the believers to be like sheep and the others like goats? Okay, let's see the difference. Sheep live by the guidelines of their master or their shepherd. The sheep only goes to where the shepherd takes them and wait for him to lead them back home. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd and run away from the stranger. Because of their natural behavior, the sheep remain protected, cared for, and their needs are fulfilled. Because the shepherd knows when they are hungry, when they need water and all that, so their needs are taken care of. The shepherd looks after them. The sheep are patient and unaggressive towards each other, even when sleeping in a small room. They feed quietly, do not claim ground that does not belong to them, and leave the ground intact. They listen to their shepherds, to their shepherd's voice. And because of their ability to listen and follow him, the shepherd takes good care of them and guides them into the best pastures and protects them at night so that they are not attacked by dogs or thieves. 
Sheep feed on the pastures or grass, only for which their stomachs are perfectly designed. What about goats? Uh, goats do not live, as we all know, I don't know whether most of you have seen how the goats behave. Goats do not live by the guidelines of the shepherd. It's difficult to take care of goats. They are always on the move, moving from one place to the other. They expose themselves to danger. They don't listen to the voice of their shepherd. They scramble and leap over the rocks and get themselves into awkward and dangerous places. I'm sure you have all seen the way the mountain goats behave. And you wonder, how shall they come down? You know, one day I was watching and I, would, I didn't want to see how they were coming down in case they fall. Because I was wondering, how are they going to come down? Goats roam, picking up shrubs, old shoes, bits of clothes, leaves, and anything due to lack of good sense. Goats in the evening lease themselves back home because the shepherd cannot be able to take care of them in the evening because the shepherd is actually powerless due to their natural behavior. Jesus uses the illustration of the sheep and goat to tell us about the final judgment and the behavior of people on earth. Sheep refers to people who can peacefully receive or accept the highest spiritual truth that is taught. Hear it, understand it, do it, persevere it, then because of the, and persevere it because of the suffering as a result of doing it. By doing so, they are protected and cared for. Their faith remains firm during the storms of life. Jesus, as a good shepherd, comes to protect the sheep when they call on him and in trouble. In John 10, uh, 14, John 10, 11, 14 to 16, says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this world, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Also, first John. First, first John. 2, 3 to 6. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandment. He who says, I, I know him, and does not his, keep his commandment is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. But, but by this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. But what happens when the sheep get in trouble? Because we know even though you are sheep, sometimes you make mistakes and sometimes you go astray. But Jesus said, as a good shepherd, he will leave the 99 and go looking for the lost sheep until he brings it back to the fold. Jesus said this in Luke 15, 3 to 7. Then Jesus told, his, told the parab, this parable, 
Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts on it on his shoulders and goes home. <clears throat> then he calls his friends and neighbors together and say, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The goats, on the other hand, refers to people who are unable to receive the word of God or even, or even if they hear, they are unable to apply it in their lives. They do what they think is okay for them. They follow the things of this world and consume everything that comes along their way. Such people do not recognize when mental food is harmful, is harmful or is taking them to the wrong direction in life. Let's read John, First uh, John, two, sixteen to seventeen. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. However, if the goats should, should begin to behave like a sheep and heed the shepherd's voice, then they too will come under the protection of the shepherd and he will take care of them, just like he takes care of the sheep. So we are protected from these passages that we have read. You see, we are protected by our Father if we, like, like sheep, hear and do his teachings. On the other hand, we expose ourselves to danger and so we are not protected by the Father if we conduct ourselves like goats and follow our own desires every day and possibly leave a trail of destruction behind us. Our shepherd never moves from us, but we move away from him and follow our own desires. Our Heavenly Father loves both the sheep and the goats equally, but is unable to protect them equally because of the God's natural behavior. God has given us a free will, and hence he cannot force us to follow him, not unless we accept his teaching and then follow them. So, uh, in conclusion, as we have seen, we are living in the 11th hour, or what we call the last days. But we know that with God, one day can be equivalent to even a thousand years. Hence, really nobody knows when the end will come. But we can see the signs of the end, as mentioned in the book of Matthew 24, Luke 21, and also the book of Revelation. There is nothing we can do with time. Our concern is, how do we survive in these difficult times? And that's why we need to follow the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, our responsibility is to hear, read, and do according to the teachings. And by so doing, we trust that Jesus, being a good shepherd to us, will protect, provide for our needs, and safely lead us home 
when our time comes. We shall also be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain, the floods, the wind blew, and the hurricane came, the house was left standing. We know the story is different if we fail to, hear, if we fail to read and do according to his teaching. We'll be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And when the storms of life, the wind, the rain, and floods came, the house fell and great was the fall. Those who do not listen to the voice of the shepherd are likened to the goats. The goats will be on the left hard side and their destiny is internal judgment. While the sheep will be on the right side and their destiny is eternal life. You may say these things are difficult to follow, but our master Jesus Christ pre-warned us in the same sermon on the mount. In Matthew 7, 13 to 14, when he said, Enter by the narrow gate, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Matthew 10, 16 says, Behold, I send you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In other words, this means we are also being affected by external forces, day in, day out. Sometimes you may try your best to, to do according to the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, but then outside there you meet forces, forces of darkness that you like, uh, would like to, to mess up with your faith and to remove you from your cause. These, these powers are fighting our faith, uh, our faith too, and just like wolves, their desire is to destroy us, mess our journey and our calling. So what Jesus said is we need to be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So we have two kind of forces that we are fighting. The forces within us that is making us disobey the word of God and the forces outside that are trying to mislead us. But Jesus said we, he has sent us out like sheep among wolves, but he has also promised to be with us and to give us the strength to overcome. In Revelation 22, verse 12, it says, And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And finally, in Matthew 28:19 to 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, has promised to be with us up to the end. So as I finish, I just want to pray for ourselves, even as we remember the teachings. We know that victory does not just come from hearing the word of God only, it's by application. Because it is by you doing what you know is good that is going to give you victory. Reading is good, but reading it is not enough. It by, it's just by applying it. And it is hard work. It doesn't come automatically. One day you fail, then you repeat until you make it. So if you feel like you want to keep judging somebody, especially the, the problem of judging, criticizing, condemning, it's so common among us. And, but you need to practice. When you feel like your mind and your feelings 
are taken to that direction of judging and condemning others. You just say no and repeatedly continue to tell your mind, we are not going to go to that direction. Because Jesus is not condemning us. This message is not of condemnation. Because Jesus was not condemning us. He was helping us. Because he wants us to be, to be overcomers. He came, us so, he came so that we can have eternal life. He did not come to take us to hell. That was not his mission. His mission was to get us to heaven. But he knows that we, when we carry all these things with ourselves, we cannot make it. And so he wants us to, to cleanse ourselves so that we are ready for the time when he will come. So I'm going to pray and we are going to finish. Our Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I want to thank you, dear Lord, even for this message. I thank you, Lord, because it has ministered to me and I believe it has ministered to somebody else. I pray, mighty God, that help us to be doers of your word. Help us, Father, to be able to apply all these teachings that you took time to teach us. Father, you knew that these are the things that hold us, Lord. These are the bondages that we have in our thoughts, in our feelings, Lord, and they prevent your power from coming through. I pray, mighty God, in the name of Jesus, that each and every person who is hearing this message will be transformed, will be changed, and, oh God Almighty, we will endeavor even to do according to your teachings. We know the journey is not easy, but you have said that you are going to be with us. Even when you fail, just like the lost sheep, you are able to pick us up and bring us back to the fold. And therefore, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there is anyone who feels like they, they don't belong, Father, that you're going to pick them up and bring them back to the fold. Help us that we, at the end of our journey, we shall be like the sheep on your right hand, O God Almighty, in the name of Jesus. If there is anyone who has backslidden, I pray, mighty God, that you're going to bring them back to the fold in the name of Jesus. We thank you because your love is so great. Help us to have the unconditional love of God in our hearts that we may not judge or condemn, so that we may be able to do unto others what you, we expect them to do unto us, O God. Lord, teach us and help us to do that, O God, and all the glory and honor will come back to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and I believe. Amen. God bless you for listening.